Welcome to Gavia. So we just did Fooled by Randomness by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And we had that episode and I had a whole bunch of technical difficulties. Of course, right after I said I was not going to blame other things or wallow in pity or whatever the uh, particular language that was used. Then there's some issue with the plugin that prevents me from being able to upload <laughs> new episodes. But of course, if I had more expertise in that area, then I wouldn't have these issues and wouldn't have the delays. So, all that said, this is Fooled by Ramness, the discussion. We already talked about the book, and now we are going on a discussion that's inspired by the particular ideas that are expressed in the book. So, one of the things that Taleb talks about in the book is Niederhofer, who I thought was like a philosopher, <laughs> but turns out to be a very capable investor. And I didn't go into much detail about this, but what Taleb described was that Niederhofer expressed the proposition that empiricism cannot be separated from methodology. And this this formulation of this idea I love. One thing that was also referenced was naive empiricists, and I know that has a particular meaning within the literature, but I think it's probably a good term for what we are and what we do, and what people at least at the lowest rung trying to be empiricists do. I think in the literature it just means somebody who has confidence that they'll be able to understand the world through empirical means, that it's completely discernible to us. But generally, we gamely believe that we have a pretty thorough understanding of the world. And often, <laughs> this is on the basis of having spent 20 minutes reading about a topic and believing that, that sufficiently galvanizes our knowledge for that particular topic. Obviously, any complex topic, even if we spend 20 years thinking about it, and that only, we'd still have to rely on this intuitive amalgamation of information that we don't really have access to. We've specifically talked about before the 7 plus or minus 2. Maybe at some point we'll be able to go into detail about that and what that actually means. That's the limitations on our active conscious brain being able to analyze disparate parts. Of course, just, I mean, that opens a whole massive world just trying to understand what that actually means. But, so for our purposes here, the point is that we don't get to consciously think about all that information that we gather over those 20 years. And we have to rely on this intuitive amalgamation. But the point here, when it's in reference to Niederhofer and Taleb, is that methodology should be the meat of what we know. What was the method that you used to arrive at your position? That substance should be more important, is what is the methodology that's being used. So it's along the same lines of the empiricism cannot be separated from the methodology. Now, obviously, since we generally don't have the time to establish an effective methodology to know everything that we pretend to know, especially about political issues, we should be able to and be encouraged or shamed or whatever word you need to use into making sure that we're exhibiting humility in all these areas where we don't have the luxury of being able to use the proper methodology. And this methodology could require our sorts of tools. It could most likely require a ton of time and means by which we rein in all the various biases and liabilities that we have personally. And then going off of that, just recall the indelible stamp of our lowly origins. We are designed to be tribal, dishonest to our benefits, and biased. These were beneficial traits when we were competing against other tribes, when we were small tribes competing against other small tribes. It makes sense that if you were more biased in favor of your tribe, you would garner more resources and benefits. Being thoughtful and nuanced would likely get you killed in the Hobbesian state of nature, where an ounce of hesitation can get you stabbed with a sharp rock. This is what we're dealing with now in tribes of 300 million, an intercommunication technology that broadcasts this frailty to millions in an instant. 
So that indelible stamp, that tribalism and dishonesty to our benefit and bias, that's what we have to deal with in the context of this new tribe. I was just watching this video of a teacher who was berating a student about police brutality, the whole political question of police brutality. Now this one is one of the easiest questions that we've ever had. It's not an issue, it's something that is astronomically overblown, and it takes a fraction of a moment to see that it's unbelievably overblown. But the teacher was really emotional and saying plainly stupid things like, so you think every cop is a hero, and it's systemic. And just asserting these things, uh, doing the things that we have talked about before, like uh, philosophical zeroing on the one side. So she would say, well, your side has to adopt this absolute. And if there are any <laughs> departures from that absolute, then you lose, you know, like in saying that. So you think every cop is a hero. Apparently the kid had made the case that cops are, are heroes and should be treated as such, notwithstanding the few people who do wrong in that role. And she was on the verge of screeching the other direction and use this, I mean, I put it in quotes, argument, and then just saying that, it, asserting that it's systemic, with of course no need to define any of that, or pretend to even care that she <laughs> that she knows what she means about this term. But this, this is what I'm saying here, is that this isn't a problem of a lack of information. I mean, she could at any time find information that dispels all these myths about police brutality. This is a problem of her methodology and her capacity, likely. And this is one of the most terrifying things to me, because growing up, I always assumed that everybody had a degree of elasticity, even intellectually, even if I didn't think everybody had necessarily the same degree of elasticity. But I assumed that everybody was capable if they just got the right information, if they just heard the right arguments, that they were capable of accepting the truest propositions that we could muster. But what scares me is that there might literally be no means to bring this person back from the brink of ideological derangement, or from the midst of ideological derangement. This kind of ideological derangement, which is just an extreme version of tribalism that's couched in more abstract and intellectual terms, is easy, it's emotionally gratifying, and it plays on our infirmities from deep history. You know, all the things that made us function better as small tribes for a very long time, it plays on those. So we had talked previously about how our natural inclinations related to differences in men and women, that we have to use those instead of fighting directly against them constantly and trying to socialize them out of existence that we have to use those and go with that flow to encourage health and well-being, and though not rigidly. We don't want to rigidly go back to some kind of roles that are enforced by the law and, and all that sort of thing. But in the, same in the same vein, just like we have to fight natural inclinations that lead to criminality and drug abuse, we have to work against ideological derangement even though our wheels are greased for this tribal derangement. So as with all things, it's it's complex. We Although we have this natural tendency to be ideologically deranged because it breaks the world into much more digestible parts, we can vastly oversimplify and then we feel like we have a grasp on things. We have to make sure that we are parsing the things that we feel naturally inclined to do and fighting against the ones that are actually bad versus the ones that we are just presenting as bad to feed our ideological derangement. <laughs> So like I said, in this case, this particular woman and so many others like her, you 
don't know whether they literally have the means to get outside of this or to be helped in some way. But then it comes to other questions that we've talked about when it comes to uh, archetypal communication versus empirical communication and being able to use propagandistic, <laughs> again, I'm going along with Bernays here, and using it kind of in a, as a general term as opposed to a pejorative one. But a propagandistic method to get people to do better things even if they don't understand the reasons that they're doing them. But most importantly, the number one thing that it should do is encourage everybody to exhibit more humility, especially when it comes to complex topics, and especially when those complex topics are going to affect somebody else. So that's the big word. That's the big word of the next century is humility. <laughs> and hopefully we can keep that going for the next many, hopefully many episodes that we have coming up. A book and a discussion. Great book. Loved it. Always good to read. Uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Coming up next, I think we're going to go to the Greeks. I think we are. I know I said I would have Jordan Peterson coming up, his next one, but it was a heavy dive into that, and I'm listening to a lot of his lectures on the Hebrew Bible, so I want to mix it up a little bit, not just do all Jordan Peterson, but I think next I want to do Rhetoric and Poetics by Aristotle and get some of the foundational knowledge I, for some reason recently. Oh, that's right. That's because she is like a greek goddess and we had this theme going anyway that's that's dating unrelated stuff uh <laughs> but i wanted to read next rhetoric and poetics by aristotle we'll see what he has to say hopefully be inspired i'm trying to stray away because i know we have more parts of the rise and fall of the third reich and we were reading modern times that was talking about lenin and all sorts of stuff but i want some slightly cheerier stuff and i know we haven't done some literature in a while but i'm just you know slogging through this one book and uh hopefully we'll get it done because i really i want to get through all these and then introduce a new a new deal but we've got uh i don't know like 60 left or something like that so we'll we'll get back to it but we might even have just one week where we do a book every day or something like that just so we can <laughs> so we can speed ahead but for now uh this was fooled by randomness we're gonna have rhetoric and poetics by aristotle coming up next and then we'll go from there all right i hope all is well bye <laughs>